Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest, Wally Miller. She's all about financial freedom, financial planning. She got her financial independence, financial freedom early on, and she's here to talk to us about her journey. So Wally, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about having this conversation I, like you, am a little bit of a financial money nerd, Um, so I look forward to to speaking with you. We connected through Podmatch. I think you're part of FinCon, but, um, uh, you know, tell people about your story, your background, how you got started, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Wally Miller. I'm a Latina, first-generation college graduate. Born and raised in New York City, daughter of an immigrant, and I'm a first-gen millionaire. Um, I wish I could say that my parents taught me the principles of finances early on, and that was how I got here, but actually it was the total opposite. Uh, I grew up in a low-income household. I grew up in the Bronx, actually, so it's the poorest borough of the city. And we didn't really have direct conversations around money. Um, so I didn't know anybody who, um, made six figures. I didn't know anybody who was investing. We barely had bank accounts, right? My dad came from a different country. So there was like skepticism and mistrust of like financial institutions. So I, um, although we didn't have like conversations around money, there obviously the way I grew up and the neighborhood, the atmosphere, the household that I grew up in really shaped my philosophies around money. And so I took those things that I observed and those things that I learned indirectly from my parents into my teens and into my 20s. And so I, you know, did the daughter of an immigrant, took the daughter of an immigrant route, that first generation route, which was I went to high school, I went to college, and then I got myself a job. As I uh, sort of switched jobs and uh, not really careers, I stayed in the same career field, but as I switched um, jobs and offices, I increased my income along the way. And it was really in my 20s, you know, I ended up making more money than my parents had ever made in a year. And I remember thinking like, man, and I have made it. And then I had a moment of realization and it was back in the day. Um, so this was in my late 20s the Social Security Administration sends me an earnings income statement. 
And today they no longer mail these out because you can go to the Social Security Administration website and just pull your earnings statements, So, which I recommend everybody do. But at that time, I received this letter from the Social Security Administration. And, you know, that FICA, that Medicare, that Social Security that gets taken out of your W-2 income, out of your paychecks, I remember seeing a list of all of the money that I had made throughout my life. And this included my summer jobs when I was like 14 and 15 years old, all the way to present day. And I remember seeing these numbers, but it wasn't until I added up the amount of money that I had made up until that point that I realized I am missing something, right? The amount of money that I had made in my life wasn't really being reflected in my lifestyle and what I had in the bank. And so it was sort of that realization like, wow, I have made decent money, but I have nothing to show for it. That sort of, uh, you know, that moment where I realized, okay, I think I might be done. Because up until that point, I really tried to stay out of credit card debt. I had a car note and I, but I really tried to stay out of credit card debt. And so I thought I was doing good with money, but it wasn't until I realized that I had made decent money and really didn't have, it wasn't reflected in what my bank account balances were, was that I realized I had to do something different. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, that's a very fantastic story. And, um, you know, a lot of people, kudos to you um, to get your financial footing earlier. So, you know, one thing is talking about, because, you know, the majority of society thinks, you know, like doctors are set, but, you know, a lot of doctors are struggling. And so talking about why high income earners are living paycheck to paycheck using that social security example. Yeah. So I think, first of all, um, you know, I work with clients who um, single moms who are making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. And then I also work with couples who are making who bring in seven figures in their household. And there's a couple of different things. One is, yes, of course, we need to actually look at the numbers, really understand what is the total income. Right. Just because you get paid two hundred thousand dollars. Right. That's your salary. That doesn't mean that's your take home. Right. That doesn't mean you can spend two. So we really need to understand what makes up our incomes um, and then also truly understand what makes up our expenses. You know, what tends to happen is that as we make more money, we tend to want to spend more. And this was one of the situations that happened to me, right? Every year I'd get a little bit more of a raise. And instead of saving more, instead of investing more, instead of thinking about wealth building opportunities and sort of creating an opportunity fund, I just spent it, right? I didn't really know what I should be doing. I was saving some, I was contributing money into my 401k, but I really didn't know what to do. And so we want to really make sure that when we're looking at the amount of money that we are making, understand truly how much of that goes to taxes, how much of that goes to our needs, so those most essential expenses, and then how much of that goes to our wants. And there's nothing wrong with wants, wanting to upgrade your apartment, right? Or wanting to upgrade your home or upgrade your car or buy a, you know, um, a fancy toy like a boat or uh, a lake house or something, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But when we live so much for the today and sort of forget what we're going to need five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we find ourselves in the same cycle. And so really getting to know what your numbers are is the first thing. 
The second thing that is really underestimated is your relationship with money. Now, I will say clients will come to me and they think we're going to focus solely on the numbers. Like, whoa, I hired a financial coach and we're going to dig into the numbers. I'm going to finally understand it and get my finances in order. But the numbers just tell one piece of the story. The second component, and I as I mentioned, sort of overlooked and underestimated is that financial mindset and our financial relationship, right? Why is it that we choose to spend money, earn money, save money in the ways that we do? And I think it's really, really important to understand why we behave, why we interact with money in the ways that we do. So you can be making and still feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck or making seven figures and feel like every single dollar that comes in is going out without that wealth building component. And I see this over and over again, right? Most people today are making more money than they did last year, but probably still feel the same financial struggle and overwhelm and stress. Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting. You, you brought on so many, uh, these new, uh, these ideas. And, and one of them is, um, it's not, well, of course you have to maximize your income opportunity and potential. That's kind of like the, the fat, the best way to increase financial independence, but then there's also expenses. So it's, they say it's not how much you make it. It actually, it's important to maximize that, but it's almost how much you keep. So uh, mm-hmm. how that income comes as, as either as a W2 or as a business investing, all these have different tax liabilities. Um, you, you'll, you'll see that working for a, a paycheck is the highest tax form of um, income. Uh, and it's just, it's just crazy. Just the way our society is trained to think. I was talking to another guest talking about um, where we're just taught to hoard and consume and just, you know, buy boats and fancy and cars. accumulate. <laughs> yeah. Accumulate, accumulate, you know, keep the economy going, you know, this Ponzi scheme. People don't realize, you know, you could have, I was seeing the same example, you could be a billionaire, but die tomorrow, and it would mean nothing, it would mean a lot to the government and, you know, your heirs, but um, so it's, it's quite interesting, the way society portrays money, you talked about the relationship of money, you know, we know, we're taught to, you know, think of it as scarce, and, you know, it, we have to work for it, and, you know, like, you know, consume it, you know, it's like this, <laughs> it's like this, very reactive type of relationship um so yeah so think talk about this Uh, so since we're on the expensive side talk about impulsive shopping and and being a mindful spender yeah one of the sort of habits that happened to me one of the habits that i sort of learned and you know sort of became ingrained in me was you know i didn't think that I spent a lot of money because I wouldn't buy the most expensive thing. Like I've never bought a brand new car. I would, you know, wait, the car could be one or two, maybe (laughs) even three years old. And, you know, and I would be totally fine with that. Um, I never bought a pair of jeans that cost (laughs) two or $300, right? You know, I would go and buy the 40, $50 pair of jeans. So in my mind, I wasn't really spending a lot of money, but I had all of these (laughs) wallet leaks and budget leaks. And so of the most simplistic way of thinking about this, right, is that I would go to Target to buy (laughs) toilet paper and laundry detergent, and I would leave with pillows and candles and socks and home decor, right, all of these things that I didn't need. And then I would, you know, uh, go to 
you know, I was driving in my car and I was headed to the gas station and all of a sudden I end up at the mall, right? Not because I needed anything, but you know, let me just see if I could find something to buy. And now we don't even have to go to a mall, right? Like most of the malls are like closed down and no one really frequents them. Now all we have to do is sort of scroll and all we have to do is sort of talk about something that we might want or need. And all of a sudden we have dozens and dozens of ads. So you know, society has made it so much easier and what they claim to be more convenient for the consumer to just have what we want at the tip of our fingers, which is fine, except most of us are buying things that we don't truly value, right? So as I mentioned, I wasn't really buying like expensive handbags and clothes and shoes and things like that, but I was buying a lot of it, right? And I think part of that came from the way that I grew up, not really having, um, you know, we went back to school shopping once a year. And that was the amount of times that I had brand new clothes, right? So as I got older, I was like, wait a minute, I could buy this shirt just because I like it. I could just I could just go to the store and I have money and I could just like buy these things. And so there was that part of like growing up sort of feeling maybe a little deprived, right? That I wasn't able to afford those things growing up. And now I had money and I could afford those things. But if people looked at my credit card transactions and looked at my debit card transactions, what it showed, what it would reflect is that I valued clothes and shoes and handbags, which wasn't true. What I really enjoyed, what really brought me joy was experiences with my friends and family and travel, right? But I wasn't even spending money on those things. I was spending money on all of these things that really didn't matter. And so I think when I shifted from sort of becoming a very impulsive shopper, right? I would just see something and all of a sudden that I want, right? And now I have this, you know, some people have a 24 hour, uh, 24 hour rule. I can justify just about any purchase. So 24 hours isn't good enough for me. I have a three day rule, right? I, if I see something, I will bookmark it. I will add it to the cart. And if in three days I am as I'm still excited about it, I really have evaluated whether or not it makes a difference in my life, whether it's sometimes those items are something that I need. Sometimes it's just something that's going to make me happy. Sometimes it's something that I'm just buying out of convenience. And any of those reasons is okay. As long as you take a moment to realize what are you exchanging for this? One of the another exercise that I did besides the three day purchase rule was think about I could buy this item and it would cost me 30 minutes of working. Is it worth it? I could buy this item. It would be a week's worth of salary. Is it worth it? And just stopping to make that just like that quick, you know, like that, that quick reframe of just like, let me just take a pause here, right? Like while I'm waiting at the checkout line, like, is this worth an hour's worth of work? And sometimes the answer is yes. But most of the time it's like, mm, actually, no, I don't really want to spend an hour working just to buy this thing. And I think if we can begin to sort of incorporate just a little bit of a slowdown, right? We haven't even talked about don't purchase things, don't buy the coffee, don't buy the Starbucks. Like that is not the way I work with my clients, right? I, I tell them I don't really care how you spend your money. But what I want to listen for is what is it that you truly value? And is your spending being reflected in that area, right? If you truly value being able to travel with your family, 
is your spending reflected in that area or are we seeing all of these different budget leaks or wallet leaks yeah yeah um yeah i love that and there's actually uh because there's this idea where basically we're here time and experiences and basically there's a great book called flow and kind of this is how money works into it is kind of money allows you to do the things you want to do it's not the you know i, well, I guess for Wall Street, you know, money is everything. Um, but for, you know, there's there's the time value, everything. And so there's this, what you were talking about, there's this uh, a new startup where they're talking about purchases in terms of time. So a Starbucks will cost you, you know, uh, maybe the extra 15 minutes in the office or, you know, extra client call or something or, you know, or this, you know, an extra purse will cost you, you know, a, a day's, you know, an hour or two, which is quite interesting how you view time and, and money and uh, mm-hmm. impulsive shop. Well, as we get to it, as kind of we, you know, we have about around four minutes uh, left. And one thing the audience wants to know is your number one tip, you um, became financially independent, retired early and you're well before a lot of individuals. So, and then, so tell people like, what is the number one tip and how can they find you? Yeah, when we think about, you know, building wealth is pretty simple, right? Um, As I mentioned, I think the biggest mistake that people do is focus too much on the numbers and not enough on the mindset. And I know that can sound woo woo, but really the relationship and our habits is really important. And then I would say building wealth is simple, right? We want to focus our expenses on the things that we value most, reduce expenses or eliminate those expenses that we don't care about. And then the second piece is increasing the income. Now, the gap between our income and our expenses, right? The money that is left over, the money as we increase our income, we're not increasing our lifestyle is really what we're going to use to build wealth. And there's multiple ways to build wealth, right? Real estate, entrepreneurship, stock market. I like the stock market personally. It's my, I think it's like the lazy way to build wealth, right? (laughs) Um, But there's different ways. So you can have, you know, a foot in all three, you can have, you know, choose one that most aligns with you, but really is to choose your wealth building vehicle and to be consistent of it. Decide what it is that you want your life to look like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Like, do you want to continue working for the next 15, 20, 30, 40 years? Do you want to be that person who's working until the age of 80? Or would you like more um, control and time over uh, more freedom and control over your time? And sort of make that decision now and then create the plan to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it looks like, and how can people contact you, uh, yeah. to to work, et cetera? Yes. Um, you can visit me at financiallythriving.com. You'll find my Instagram, which is financially underscore thriving. But if you just go to financially thriving, you can send me a message there um, and just go to my website and learn a little bit more about my one-on-one coaching program. And for um, all the audience out there, um, let's thank Wally for coming on. Um, a lot of these tenants are espoused in the FinCon community, the finan- FIRE community, financial independence, early retirement, focusing on the vi- the time value of money and, and the utility of it. Uh, she's on Instagram. All of her resources will be in the links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me.
wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you like it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.